0: The no. Welcome, welcome to this edition of Red Sea Roundup. I am the host for the day, Pam Marvin, on this chilly, frigid day high atop the St. Mary's Student Center. I think it's warmed up to 30 degrees now. (laughs) It's really been chilly here the last few days, and traffic is bad. The university had a delay in opening this morning, so the traffic was rough coming in here. But good morning, Caleb. Caleb, excuse me. Good Good morning, morning. Pam.
1: How are you doing? I'm
0: so good. It's good to be out and about again after a two-day respite of being at home. Yeah, it was in. getting pretty
1: crazy at home. My boys yeah. were getting pretty stir-crazy. Ooh,
0: did they get to play outside in the ice and the whatever it was?
1: A little bit. We have a little, um, a little goldfish pond that have no goldfish in it, but it was like leftover from the people we bought the house from. And John Paul went outside to play and I heard, I was working in the study, Hannah gave him instructions, stay away from the pond. Within five minutes, he had fallen in. So, oh no! <laughs> I mean, he was fine, but <laughs> within five minutes, There was
0: already ice on top. It was there was ice on top, and he was trying
1: to break it, and he and he stepped in and got his whole pant wow, leg wet. Of, of course, Of course he
0: did. Of course, I he love did. kids; they're so awesome. <laughs> That's so great. So, it really is really great to be here today. Um, I'm very excited, Caleb. You know, this is a new year. It's my first roundup for the year, and I really um, have been thinking a lot about. I don't even like to call them resolutions anymore because that, I don't know, that just falls short for me. But I really like to contemplate ways I want to be a better human in the next year, like to really, you know, virtue-driven and things like that, right? Right. So I think we should always be trying to do that self-improvement and whatnot. And so one of the things that I sat down and really prayed about, talked with my husband and everything, it's like, you know what? I would really like to increase in discipline especially when it comes to the spiritual life, right? Yes. I think we always have to reinvent ourselves that way.
1: Yeah. Well, I, what I've found is difficult is, um, you know, for a long time I was praying all four rosaries every day, uh, divine mercy chaplet every day. And then I got to where I felt like I was just checking a box. Yeah. And so I kind of had to reset and I'm trying to get back into a mm. good, prayerful discipline. And so I think it, it's a struggle. How do you have a disciplined prayer life? and not have it become a boxer checking every day.
0: That is, And that is why we're here today. I have invited on the show today a very dear friend of mine. For those of you that are in this community and know me, know that Miranda and I have had many ventures together to, to collaborate, um, and one of them being on growth and virtue. That's one of the primary ways. And today, though, I've, um, I've brought her in to talk things all things growth mindset, and doing exactly what Caleb and I were just visiting about today, this morning, is um, how do we accomplish those goals when things, you know, the Lord kind of mixes things up for us for a little bit. We can get into actually a real rut or checking boxes when it comes to our spiritual life, and I don't think that's where He wants us to stay. So I brought Miranda in because she is very experienced in this Area, so her name is Dr. Miranda Walachowski. She's a clinical associate professor in the Department of Educational Psychology at Texas A&M University. She coordinates the Bilingual Educator Program preparation program. She has recently developed and teaches graduate level coursework and coaching mm-hmm. and coaching <laughs> at Texas A&M sorry about that coaching and am professional coaching for individuals coaching in groups and teams peer coaching and pre K through 12 culturally and linguistically diverse settings in addition she is credentialed as a professional certified coach by International Coaching Federation so you can see as i'm reading this ladies and gentlemen one of the reasons i wanted to bring her in today So Dr. Walachowski is the founder and principal of Miranew Coaching and Consulting. She specializes in helping leaders and teams increase their energy, leadership, engagement, education, and excellence through coaching. And we brought her in. She does this on a grand scale, so surely she can help us out today on this little small scale that we are as individuals. And she wants to reach out to the critical mass for cultural change and optimal performance while keeping their commitment to people and talent Development as a core focus. This is why she partnered with dear friend also, Robbie Harvey, to see this vision to fruition via her program, Human Architects, her company. Prior to obtaining her doctorate, Miranda was a bilingual teacher in Galveston, ISD, and served as director of the Sylvan Learning Center. All that to say, I'm so happy to see you dear friend Miranda. Welcome back.
2: Yes, thank you. It's wonderful to be here.
0: I'm so glad you're able to do this today. Yes. It's really been on my mind and heart to do this type of show and there was no other person I thought better suited than you. So let me kind of frame this for you cuz Miranda and I haven't got to talk just too too much before the show.
2: I actually have an update for you oh. based on the what you just read. Oh yeah, please <laughs> so, go right ahead. Yes, um actually this is going to be my first semester in learning sciences. And so I was in the bilingual um, program, bilingual in ESL, and my dream was always to focus on coaching, and that came to fruition. And so this is my first semester in learning sciences, focusing solely on coaching individuals, groups, teams, action learning, delivering um, those types of classes and doing research in those areas. So it's been quite a gift uh, that God has given me to start the new year. That
0: is wonderful news. Well, the other side of that is some of my favorite part about Miranda is she's an awesome mother of five, right? She's got a large family. She loves her Catholic faith, has a great devotion uh, to her faith, and she's also a power lifter. How about that for those interesting things? (laughs) And I bet you use a lot of these— And this is one of those things I want to tap into. It's like, I know that you love it now, but did you always love the powerlifting?
2: I don't think it took too long to fall in love with it. Um, But yes, I mean, and it's an inextricable part of my life now.
0: That's amazing. Well, Um, as long as I've known you, you've always been very devoted to physical health as well mm -hmm. and challenging yourself. Of course, that is who you are, both mentally and physically and Mm -hmm. spiritually, too. So today, let's talk about the spiritual aspect of it to try and—I'm kind of getting— see, method to my madness. I'm getting a little free coaching today on the radio, <laughs> but hoping that it helps with all of you. And by the way, Miranda, you will be, you are uh, going to be um, on film today. So I'm hoping to use some of this as well. So if you need that for the coaching as well, we'd be happy to share it with you too. too. So okay. that'd be great. Okay. Sounds wonderful. So my thing for this year really is to increase in discipline, mm-hmm. specifically where it's oriented towards our spiritual life, but indeed, pass that into our station in life mm-hmm. and to to de- to describe a station in life for me specifically i work part-time i'm a mom of five empty nester grandma of four and one on the way so really five mm-hmm. and um now that i have a lot more time on my hands i'm not as efficient with my time when i was busy with the children You had to really be organized to get stuff done. And now that I have more time on my hands, I I am not as organized or as disciplined as I'd like to be. So the one thing that you talked about years ago that I was really – I want to review it because you turned me on to Andrew Huberman, Mm -hmm. big fan of Huberman Labs. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear anything about neuroscience, He's the guy.
2: Yes, definitely.
0: Right. Okay. Yes.
2: Beautiful three-hour lectures. If you know, you can piece them out throughout the week.
0: Um, oh well, I've, I found yes. the shorts. Uh, yes.
2: Where I can go and watch the three to
0: five-minute shorts uh, of what he has to say. Um, but growth mindset was is a big one. And can you describe to us what that is and how it can apply to us as um, human development, like in the maturation and emotional aspect of just being human? Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Well, it lies kind of on a spectrum and and we have growth mindset maybe in some areas and maybe not other areas of our lives. Um, And there is a predisposition or a tendency that just some people might have that where it becomes easier to have a growth mindset and for others, it may be more of a struggle. So I always have to remind myself of that. So I think I've been very blessed and privileged in that that type of thinking just comes a little bit more natural to me than it might to others. But it's simply the belief that um, if I want to pursue something, I can get better at it. And so there are resources, there are tools, there are people who could help me, there are things I could learn that will enable me to get better. Versus fixed mindset, which is no matter what I do, my genetics, my environment, everything is stacked against me. There's no way that I could ever have agency and move the needle on this thing that I desire to pursue. Now, obviously, there's going to be some balance of what is Within the realm of being reasonable, like if I said I want to become a competitive basketball player, well, that's not going to be very realistic based on my height and my age and all of mm-hmm. those things, um, and then just my genetic disposition as well. So within reason, but if I joined a older women's basketball team, could I potentially, you know, at least be in the game some of the time, you know, and and can I work towards that? And so it's that belief that I can get better. Um, at whatever it is that's important to me that I want to pursue.
0: That's amazing. Okay. And so let's talk about it as it would relate to um, what are some just, you know me, I'm real practical. Give us one or two, three, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. As it regards to, let's say um, the sacraments, I want to increase my numbers of daily mass and the times I'm going to confession, those you know, this really frequently repeatable sacraments. What are some real concrete practical ways I can do to not, I mean, I can say, okay, I'm going to go four days a week, but if I stop there, that's not really going to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I would take a step back before even exploring that um, and think about what is the positive emotional attractor in this. And so this is some work from Boyatze. He's an organizational psychologist, and he talks about the idea that there are two things that cause us to change. One are positive emotional attractors and the other are negative emotional attractors. Sometimes negative emotional attractors are needed. So if you don't change, you will lose your job, you will lose your marriage, you will lose your health, whatever it may be. Sometimes we need to go there and have that sense of urgency. But what is usually easier and more palpable and more energizing for the human is to have a positive emotional attractor. And so what is the good that will come of this? And so we're all in the process of becoming someone and who God designed us to be. And so it's usually an alignment to that. So as I pursue this, how do I embody and become more of who I am meant to be? And just even saying those words feels very energizing and and very, and it always, I always end up looking kind of upward when I talk about this concept, because it just feels very uplifting. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the first important step is, um, yes, I can do it through the negative, And maybe it'll get done, but it's a lot more sustainable to do it to the positive. And so attaching it to my identity, but not only that, but who I am becoming. Mm -hmm. Um, And that in itself will enable that opportunity to open.
0: Right. Actually, there's something um, that I actually have used on myself, too. It's like, if Pam didn't have original sin, like Mm -hmm. looking at how God created me originally, or the thought in his mind, of course, before original sin— what would that look like? And really ponder what that looks like. And so all these things that I'm asking about today kind of support that direction that I'm going, right? Right. And that's kind of the same thing that you're saying. Yes. What's the positive outlook on that? Well, when I go to Mass more frequently, I have more peace of heart. Mm-hmm. The same with confession. My days go more smoothly. Um Yeah, that worry and tension in my life kind of melts away when I, so that is a positive thing for me when I do these couple of things.
2: Right. Yes, absolutely. You know, honing in on that ideal self is, is going to enable a lot of opportunity for change to open. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes when I'm coaching individuals, I'll ask them, you know, if the, what would the 80 year old version say of you to do in this moment? Um, Or what is that version of you in the future looking back? Like she's looking back right now and saying, okay, Pam, are you coming? You know, and and so creating that invitation and that openness. And so I think it's in our nature that we're wired to just, it's not seeking perfection. And it's not a thing of hubris, but it's that idea of I'm on a mission here to become someone that God has envisioned for me. And I'm never going to reach that ideal but it's quite energizing and exhilarating just to be able to try, just to have the opportunity to try. Well,
0: because then on the negative aspect of it, if I haven't done my best to become all that I can be according to the way God created me, I'll have to answer for that. Mm -hmm. Yes, You know, at the Mm -hmm. final judgment, I have to answer to that, which may be a negative (laughs) negative motivation too, (laughs) which, yeah, I mean, I can look back on my day yesterday, you know, we had this couple of snow days here and I was home by myself all day long. The first day we had it, really productive, got a lot done, second day, not so much, mm-hmm. not so much, because I'd done most everything I thought about doing, and then, no, we're not, not on the second day. So yeah. I'm that kind of person that definitely needs to stay a little bit busier. I have a hard time with self-motivation on just chores, um, those kind of things. And so I'm wondering if there's a paradigm shift that needs to go on, on my brain. So like kind of what you were saying with the growth mindset is to be focusing more on like maybe – Um, how I feel or how the room or house feels if I'm doing those kinds of things? Can you, can you elaborate on this a little bit?
2: Yeah, I think it goes back to that sense of who you are and that sense of identity um, and being able to say, I'm the type of person that does X, Y, or Z. And so, for example, with the powerlifting um, my identity, and it's and people always get worried when I talk about this because they'll say things like, well, if you tie your identity to your powerlifting, what about if a day comes where you don't like to do that anymore, you can't physically do that anymore, then what happens to your identity? Does it just unravel?
0: Kind of like and, me in an empty nester exactly. with identity is mother, so there you go. That's right. a different
2: one just to give an example. Right. Yes, exactly. And, and that's not quite it. it. It's what the value is underlying that. And so the value behind that is um, I am someone who likes doing hard things just for the sake of it, you mm-hmm. know. And so you that, and
0: Mr. Goggins. So yes, yes. Yeah, I, sorry, <laughs> so, he's from Huberman.
2: Right. Um, and so then that, you know, translates into other things. So when something is hard at work, um, I would just remind myself, oh, Miranda, you like to do hard things. You don't really care about the outcome. That's not what you're chasing because I'm not so driven by the success or the outcome or the accomplishments or the accolades. I've realized that, I just like the struggle and then being able to see what I can do in that okay. struggle. Okay, okay. Let me slow that. you
0: down because I'm loving where we're going with this. So recently I, re- I learned on the Huberman about there's a certain area in your brain that actually grows when you do these hard things. Yes. And it's it's the area that helps you with your discipline and your willpower. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Okay, so what you're talking about is something that I, I don't know if they coined it, I coined it, I don't know, yes. it doesn't matter. The friction, living in the friction. Mm -hmm. Okay, can you speak to that and how, so so say someone like me who has avoided friction or that discomfort because one of my root sins is sensuality, so I seek comfort, but now I'm having this idea that like there's something better and I need to overcome that, and so I'm seeking this moments of friction, right? So for someone who's not driven by being in that space, how do you coach them to learn to love it. I mean, that's what they say, learn to love it. So how do you do that?
2: Mm-hmm. So the, the friction is, um, well, the way I think about it is it's the antithesis to growth. And so one of my core values is growth. And so, again, as you're seeing a pattern here, I try to tie everything to my core values because those are innately driving me. And so they are such a force, an internal force, that is already working either for or against me in some situations. You could also – everything has its flip side. And so if I could tie it to that, it's just going to be easier um, for me. And so here, friction allows growth to happen. So we're, when we're in a place of being complacent or content and not striving for anything, then you know we're not moving forward. You know, mm. we're either stagnant or we're moving backwards. Actually,
0: are you talking about the United States right now? Oh, sorry, yes, I digress yes, a little bit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, throw that one in. Yes. Okay, so yes. yeah,
0: I can see that. So I want to repeat for our audience that living and learning to embrace that friction or that discomfort is a process of learning. Yes. Wow. Yes. And okay. it's a
2: process of growth as well. Growth. Mm-hmm. And and we have to exercise that a muscle or that ability to embrace the friction. Or otherwise, we become very against it, right? And so we, we're repelled by it because we tend to seek. You know, as a human being, we're seeking things that are easier, comfortable, enjoyable, et cetera. So we're always, fi- you know, fighting against that. We're also always fighting against kind of a negative mindset of the world's out to get us, the world's a bad place, all of those mm. things. And so um, both of those things are kind of causing us to retreat. And, and the opposite would be leaning in. And, and pushing against that narrative. And so that that's kind of the way that I see it. And I actually recommend to just do uncomfortable things on a daily basis. So even you know one or two things that you really resist and don't want to do, um, can create such a sense of accomplishment, which then enables other things to happen throughout the day. Um,
0: I am absolutely digging this, so much. Thank you, Lord, for even giving Miranda to us today. Um, so when you say just start with those uncomfortable things, so just mm-hmm. using myself as an example, after I listened and learned some of those things, I thought that is just brilliant. I want to do that. I want to try that. So I started with small things. And then a few days later, I totally forgot about it. Like we're here today talking about I'm like, oh, man, I forgot. I had really been working hard on doing hard things, and now I forgot, but now I'm remembering again. So how do you, how do you like kind of keep that at your – your front of your mind, I guess, because maybe it's something I should be talking about in prayer each day. Lord, help me to find these uncomfortable, difficult things and seek them out, even seek them out, right um and accomplish them. And maybe the point is starting small,
2: right. Oh, definitely. definitely starting small because your brain will get a dopamine hit anytime you are successful at anything. Mm. and the brain will work with you as long as you're moving. You don't even have to be moving in the right direction. You could say, I want to. You know, get from this point to that point, and your brain doesn't even know that that's the right path. Like, I want to build a business. Okay, maybe that's not the right path, but you have movement and agency and some activity towards that, that it rewards you with more energy to create more movement and activity and energy Amazing. and things like that. And so that that's a critical piece, but definitely the breaking it down. Um, So in my prayer time in the mornings, I like to journal, so I usually listen to— um, this year I'm listening to the catechism in a year Nice. and so listening to that and then dur- doing some journaling and then I reflect on the day prior, um, as well. And then I go into gratitude of what I'm thankful for. And I write that down. Sometimes it's very big things. Sometimes it's very small, inconsequential things. And then the next piece is like what's before me. And mm. so that's, you know, what am I, mm-hmm. um, what am I needing to do kind of in the practical way? And then maybe what what is God calling me to do as well? And so noting those and giving those to God um, as well is a big piece. So that's one part of my practice that keeps these, um, I guess, these pursuits top of mind. The other is— also- Let me pause just mm-hmm. right
0: there, though, um, because we're, t- we're talking about someone like me who mm-hmm. always seeks comfort, and it's easy for me to have some amnesia over trying to do hard things. Yeah. What, what are some type of, um, I don't know, just hints or— now, I don't know, tricks is not the right word, but he suggestions to keep that and keep hitting at it, right? Because sometimes it just naturally kind of like you forget. It's like you just forget.
2: Right. In, th- in that case, I would leverage um, the ability to stack habits and just like find the path of least resistance. So let me give you an example um, before I talk about my tracking worksheet, so I'll talk to you about that one. for those that are on that extreme end. Um, but here, I wanted to do something nice that was for my husband, um, and he would usually like walk the dog and have kind of a lot of other chores that maybe weren't very exciting. And so I wanted to do something nice for him. I needed to pray my rosary, and I needed to like set aside time to pray for set aside time to pray for each child of mine, like have their own day. And then I needed to get my steps in because research says that if you get 8,200 steps, it really contributes to your longevity and well-being. So we don't even have to get the 10,000, at least the 8,200. I lift weights. Um, There's not a lot of steps all the time in that. Um, Sometimes you're kind of pretty stationary. And so I still need to compensate for that. And I sit quite a bit a lot with with my work. Mm -hmm. And so um, those were some of the things that I needed And I just stacked them together and it became an evening walk with the dog while I played the rosary, listening to Pope John Paul II for the specific intentions of each child and then ensuring that I get, you know, before the Mm. night is out, my last steps that I need in order to make my 8,200. And so because I stack them all together, it's just so easy. Mm -hmm. And and if I don't want to do it, I will do it for the sake of one of those. Like yesterday was pretty cold (laughs) to go out there (laughs) with the dog and it was like, Okay, uh, I could ask my husband to do it, and he would do it. And but I don't want to do that. That's not kind. And then I'm going to forego praying for this specific child, and he needs prayers right now as he's discerning what he wants to do with his career and his life, and um, you know, going to the university for next year and all of that. And so, and and the dog, he's not going to be happy if he doesn't get to walk. And so all of those things just kind of like it made it a no brainer of like, yeah, Miranda, you can't forego that. You can't delegate that. Like just on your it's walk amazing. and then you start the walk and you're like oh this is so peaceful and beautiful
0: yeah you I know? wish I had I wish I had more of that in me I'm yes. you know, like ah it's cold Me, even the, even the dog didn't want to go outside right. <laughs> <laughs> my dog didn't my, my little tiny dog with her sweater mm, yes okay.
2: you'd have to bundle her up
0: so stacking habits yes. okay I can see that um, so starting a little um, let, 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 take it back in like my perspective my daily life or it may be just a regular person um, because you are in a, in, a, in a category all by yourself, Miranda. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I'm so thankful for you and the gifts that God has given you. So with me, it could be something as simple as like, you know, not putting cream in my coffee that day because it's a hard thing, right? right. Um, it's not something I need to get done necessarily because I, you know, I would say that sitting down in my prayer time is such a positive thing that even though I don't do as all the different things that uh, I can do at different times, that's not a sacrifice at all, so that mm-hmm. doesn't count. So I need to go through and start to have those things that I really just like to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I like to not... Uh, I, li- <laughs> I want to cut back on coffee, right? Because I drink way too much of it, but during cold weather, it's just almost impossible. So, so seeking the the friction or what was it word that you used for just seeking the
2: just whatever you're resisting resist. Uh, yeah. The that challenge, resistance,
0: yes. that challenge. Right, yes. right, right. So and
2: sometimes just for the sake of it, knowing that it will, you know, rewire your brain to embrace other difficult things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, whatever that may be mm-hmm. and, and starting small, um, for me, I mean, literally I get to rewire my brain every time I'm in training, um, in the gym because, That is that opportunity to do things that are difficult. And that's one of the reasons I really fell in love with powerlifting is because at my age, you know, I'm 50 years old. There's not a lot of things that I go out in the world and do that I'm fearful of, you know. And and so there isn't um, challenges that seem insurmountable or fears that are just crippling or whatever. And so then that part of being able to push against those things obviously gets atrophied. And so how do you build that up? And then for me, it was in the physical way starting there. And it definitely trickles to mindset of lifting heavy weights. And so there are days, not every day, but there are days in a certain part of my program where I'm actually nervous, like about tomorrow, like, oh my gosh, I've got to you know squat this. And I've never done that before. I have to squat this for this many reps. How will that go? And I'm literally nervous, like and walking into the gym and feeling that anxiety. So having to control that. And then, um, many times performing well. And so then that's collecting evidence that like, see, you can do hard things like see consistency pays off. You see, you didn't realize you could lift this, but because you've been consistent, because you're willing to lean in um, and to go for it, this is what you get as a reward. And in those moments that I have that reward, like my family loves that (laughs) because I think I just come home as a different person and they know Oh, nothing's going to bother her. She's going to be on cloud nine. Um, and it's just going to be a wonderful several days at home, you know, versus the opposite when sometimes I have really bad days at the gym and they, they could just tell by the the way that I walk in and engage of like, oh, she may notice that we didn't do our chores and it's going to matter today. <laughs> so, oh, OK. So, yes.
0: OK. So going back to like doing the hard things and I want to kind of point it in the direction of doing hard things for Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know, obviously really on my heart, I think uh, one of the things in today's culture that is hard things for Christ would be to um, really live so openly your love of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it causes some people to be uncomfortable if you talk about it. I'm talking about like a workplace setting where not a church setting, hopefully, but a workplace setting where you have all different levels or areas of disbelief, belief, nothing, different types of faith. Um, and having that kind of um, boldness to speak into that. So, yeah, let's talk about that friction as it goes to serving God. I mean, it could look in all different ways, like in in the, in the public square definitely is one that's coming to mind. Can you think of other ways that we can serve God in the friction um, other than just like public square?
2: Yes, um, absolutely. And um, one of the concepts that I've been thinking about, there's a couple of things here. So we'll go with this one first is the idea of courage. Um, you can't be a saint without courage. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so if that that is not developed, that's not exercised, um, then you're really limiting your potential and what God can do through you. And so I think the idea of, and it, it courage is something that's so rare now that when I see it, I just can't stop being enamored with it, fascinated with it, drawn to it, and then just hoping like, How do they do that? And how can I as well? And I can give you a a perfect example. Somebody I'm following pretty closely right now is Bukele, who is the president of El Salvador. And so El Salvador was one of the countries that was top rated as the most uh, crime laden, dangerous places to be. Um, And now it's a tourist destination. And the courage that that man has had in being able to voice of we're going to succeed as a country because we have God first family second in our values that we're driving towards. And as long as there's no one pilfering and stealing from our economy and our government, then we're going to succeed. And he's building a stadium right now. He built a state-of-the-art library that's open 24 hours a day so that people, instead of being out in the streets, you know, can go and be in this beautiful, magnificent space and be so edified and elevated. And I think I got to play a lot in the library, like get dropped off for hours and hours, and it had an enormous impact on my life. Mm. So I know that it's going to have an enormous impact on youth that are just hanging out at the library. So that that's really magnificent. And he's cleaned up the streets, like gang members, incarcerated, I don't know how many thousands of them. I mean, just incredible stuff. And it is just it's just that courage, that courage to speak of values, of truth to be able to pursue what you're, you're, you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if nothing else, if, if someone wanted to exercise a muscle that is going to open up your potential spiritually and help you be a saint and align with what God wants for you, it's just that pursuit of that courage. And the smallest thing that you could do for courage is just to begin to tell the truth.
0: Wow, you sound like Jordan Peterson now. Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, I'm influenced by everybody, so. Um, but yes, just to begin to tell the truth, no matter what, and right, and, it, and right. it sounds and because we have a tendency to lie, we lie to ourselves, um, intentionally or unintentionally, and so really stopping and evaluating, um, what is the truth here, and and mm-hmm. what is the truth that I'm called to speak. Mm-hmm. That in itself is extremely courageous. And so, whether that's in the workplace, in a relationship, or no matter where, up to yourself, um, in yeah. your conversations with God, just being willing to see the truth without becoming defensive, without trying to justify it, it's like what what is here, and then going from there.
0: Right, I can see how that would be um, could be really challenging in interpersonal lives, especially yes. coworkers or family members, you know, now that I have adult children, sometimes that can be kind of tough because right. <laughs> I don't want to challenge them. I just want them to live in little happy little peaceful world. Right. Right. But sometimes maybe I should be called to do that. I don't know, Miranda. Yeah. That's, that's a fine, that's a fine line. Yes. So when you say it's let's go ahead and really define truth as you're talking mm-hmm. about it. Um, I think that, you know, it's not like, um, Do you like this sweater on me, mom? I mean, that is one of them. And that's, it's important to say, well, you know, it's not my favorite without trying to, to hurt your fragile teenage or pre-teenage daughter's feelings, right? So there's a, there's a way about it. So can you talk about that a little bit?
2: I think I would just start with self um, because that may be the easiest place to start. And then once you discern what that looks like, then trying to do it externally because that, like that example of the sweater, that's a preference, And so being able to state that, like, that color isn't my preference, but if you like it, then, you know, whatever. So I I would say with starting with self and having those conversations, and I can think of just a recent example, um, we have a dynamic going on in, in our family, not my immediate family, but extended family, and I was having a conversation just yesterday with someone, and he mentioned about, you know, the family being so spiritual and yet having trouble forgiving others. And so when he said that, and he felt very uncomfortable about saying that, and there was that awkward laugh and silence. And um, and then I, I thought to myself, well, I didn't realize, I didn't feel like I needed to forgive anyone in this circumstances. Like I didn't feel I was holding on to anything and that it wasn't about that. It was about setting some boundaries. But instead of getting defensive and trying to justify that or say, no, you're wrong, or I don't have anybody to forgive, or I've forgiven or whatever, I just stood silence. And I looked inwardly as like, is there potentially some forgiveness that needs to happen Mm -hmm. that I haven't taken to God and I'm not acknowledging? So something that's living in my subconscious, is it there? And then second, what are the manifestations that this person is seeing? So what am I saying and doing that may have led him? And again, I don't know if I was included in that comment or not, but instead of just being defensive about it, I just took it to, you know, examination. Is there something in my behavior that may be signaling that I need to forgive or that I haven't forgiven or whatever. So completely Mm -hmm. like taking ownership of that and and then trying to get at what is the truth, obviously only God has the truth. So no matter how well intended we are, we are very faulty beings and we're never going to have the capital T truth. We always have our little T truths Mm -hmm. that we're trying to advocate and fight and force and all of those things, but only then taking them to God, can we Mm -hmm. get closer to the Mm -hmm. big T truth and so that that would be an example of that. So there was right. a part of me that was triggered in the moment that said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know. But immediately I just silenced that and I said, okay, Miranda, there's an opportunity here to seek what is true, to seek where you're being called to grow, um, all of those things. And so immediately shifted my energy in that direction. Right. And to me, that was the more courageous thing to do. Being defensive, right. justifying, whatever, getting upset about it would have been the easy The friction. Yes. The friction was, "Mm, let me see. Let's examine that. Let me Uh, take that to God. What do we need to do with that?
0: Right. Okay. I'm just going to say it in just a little bit different way of just what you said. Yes. Because, you know, that's what we're best at, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So basically, what I loved hearing was the moment that you got to an uncomfortable place because something said, let's call Mm -hmm. it a trigger. Mm -hmm. At that point, that trigger said, ah, there's friction. Mm-hmm. And the friction said, ah, let's go introspectively on this or take a pause, an inventory of my emotions, and what's going through. Is there something real here and factual that I need to consider? Mm-hmm. And indeed, it took the courage not to react from your trigger, but rather to calm yourself down and look at these other aspects. Would you say mm-hmm. that's a pretty accurate yes. way of. Yeah, I
2: think you captured it well. Wow. I just
0: really, I love that. Yeah. And I think that though, particularly be very particularly difficult with yourself,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: because I think being honest with yourself is, is, is can be really hard. I mean, (laughs) it can be really hard.
2: We're not, we're not honest with ourselves and we don't really know who we are. Um, And um, this was a conversation I had with my spiritual director, who said, you know, there, there are not many people who know who they are. Um, and, 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 and because I have tools and, and God's grace, um, all of those things, I can delve into those spaces and, and I'm open to it. Um, and so that's very helpful, but by nature, no, we, we, we don't. And I mean, there's studies that show we always think we're above average on things. So if you ask, for example, a uh, poll, you know, a hundred people, are you an ab- above average driver? 80% of them will say they are. Mathematically, 80% cannot be above average. You know, so there is a large group that is being delusional there. And that, that kind of translates into many areas. Right. We, we tend to either, on both extremes, have a very elevated idea. Um, and I when I do trainings uh, for leaders, I do then and now surveys because I found that if I just did a pre and post, the results would be much differently. Mm -hmm. So if I'm going in to do a training on conflict dynamics, um, people will say rate themselves on a scale from zero to 10, very high. Like how good are you at a listener? Oh, I'm a nine. How good are you at empathy? Oh, I'm a 10. How good are you at whatever, having difficult conversations? Oh, I'm a 7.5. And, um, and that's just a tendency that people have. But yet if I deliver the training, and then I asked them, where were you before the training and where are you now? Now they have concrete and a little bit more of a pragmatic way to look at themselves and not be as inflated. It was like, oh, yeah, actually, I was not pretty, and I was not very empathetic um, before mm-hmm. that. Now I have these tools and, and I've moved the needle two or three up. And so they get a little bit more of a realistic self-rating. I and that. so I, I think that's going to be, you know, a critical piece is just that. Looking inward first um, and having the courage and willingness to do that. And because it's going to look pretty messy and scary, and maybe sometimes mm-hmm. resisting that. But there's a duality to that, you know, that I think it's one of the things that, you know, happens in our faith where we embrace two contraries. So, for example, Yes, I am nothing without God. Um I mean, there's no significance to me. I am nothing. My abilities come from nowhere but God, etc. And so looking at that, but then on the flip side of that, I'm amazing. Like God made me and he loves me and he had me planned for now and in this way and and I just see his hand in my life all the time. So I'm just this magnific- magnificent person. And so being able to embrace that duality of I'm nothing, but I also have this dignity, and so therefore I'm magnificent. Right. Being able to embrace those contraries, I think, is needed to be able to do any of this. Because otherwise you could drive it in the wrong direction, um, and it's just improvement for the sake of improvement or right. doing hard things for the sake of doing hard things instead of you know, for what your purpose is and for what the impact of that is in the world and, right. and for what God wants for you.
0: What you described to me right then was the Blessed Mother.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, tell me more. <laughs> yeah,
0: just just perfect in every way, and the most humble in every way as well. Yes, just really knowing her true nature of who she is and the way God created, and knowing she's nothing without God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Ah, yeah. gosh, that's just something to really ponder when we're you know pondering her or trying to ponder, trying to um, grasp this kind of new growth mindset that we're talking about can you believe we only have three minutes left in the whole program oh my goodness I know (laughs) I love talking to you so much oh I wish it was a two-parter honestly so I kind of want to just recap just very briefly um, a couple of things I think are really important for our listeners to hang on to and one is um, the friction and resistance helps you to grow can you elaborate on that just a little bit
2: yeah, there can't be growth without it. There can't be growth, growth without, without the friction and, and leaning into the resistance and friction because otherwise you're in a s- place that's stagnant. Right. And so it is only, you know, with that friction that we can actually grow. And and the friction and resistance usually comes from our environment, especially people. Um, I often say, like, if you were on an island and surrounded by no one, Um, Could you ever become the best version of yourself? You can't. It's only in relation to the people that create the greatest friction that you actually become who you're meant to be.
0: Amazing. And the virtue that piggybacks off of all that is is courage. Courage. Yes. Amen. Yes. So maybe one of my um, self-growth resolutions, so to speak, this year will be the growth in courage and embrace the friction and seek the friction. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. And I think another thing important that's really come about from this conversation, too, is knowing that God's grace is needed and having a mindset of how you were originally created and go towards that about the way God created you, perhaps without the original sin, with your talents, gifts, and so forth.
2: Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Always having that ideal self to—because we're all becoming someone— you know might as well become that ideal self that god envisioned and so there's nothing wrong with starting small and saying okay what would the courageous pam do in this moment would she put creamer in her coffee or not and <laughs> just building from there
0: this seems almost but, seems silly when you break well it down it's like actually that. not silly okay. because
2: you have to collect evidence yeah oh, and, oh that's so true. And no matter mm-hmm. where you start mm-hmm. so even that like oh i did that for a week there's evidence that i'm courageous okay so now what can i do So, you know, it started with lifting the bar and now it's like, okay, now I want to squat 300. When is that coming? You know, so you have to collect evidence all along the way of like, oh, I could do five pounds more. Oh, I could do five. I can do hard things. Right. So I love that also
0: about the trigger then tells you there's friction. And then to lean into that as well. My goodness. Well, Miranda, I can't thank you enough. I want to have you back again to talk about more of these items whenever you're ready, um, mm-hmm. because you're just a wealth of knowledge. And I thank you. My spiritual life is better having you as a friend. Um just, <laughs> It really is. I miss you seeing your face. So thank you for joining us today. And human architects, you can find them where? Online? Um,
2: yeah, LinkedIn um, mostly. Yes. So LinkedIn is where pro- professionally we hang out. And I can be found on Facebook and Instagram if anybody wants to see lifting stuff (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) and if you want to have more information about them you can always contact us here at the station or through our facebook page asking for me specifically pam marvin i'll get you hooked up with the lovely miranda walachowski and robbie harvey they're doing amazing things helping people grow to resist this culture that has made us soft Mm -hmm. (laughs) and fluctuating
2: well god bless all of you and we'll see you right after the break